Hi, I'm Joseph. And I'm TJ. And this is Hi-Fi. All right, Joe. So um, I don't know if you had a chance to listen to last week's episode, um, but there was my audio was mostly fine. Uh, it mm-hmm. was my it was the first episode we did on, on my MacBook Air. And um, it, <laughs> is this are you going to scold me for rattling my mic, shaking tremors? No, although I should do that, but I, I wish you would stop. But um, that aside, there was some just every once in a while, like a, a crackle or a pop on my mic. And as far as I can tell, oh. it's something to do with the MacBook Air. I'm recording again on the MacBook Air, but I've changed some things. First of all, I rebooted the MacBook Air like about an hour ago. Uh, and then my um, <clears throat> my mic was connected to a USB hub, which was then connected to a dock, which is then connected to my MacBook Air. That never posed a problem on my previous work macbook pro which i used to use to record with mm-hmm. um however i'm trying connecting the uh mic directly to the dock i don't need it to be connected to the hub or the switch i it was it's actually a switch i don't need it to be connected to the switch anymore um so i've connected the mic directly to the hub so we'll see if this week's episode has any popping or anything in it i've i've moved my hackintosh to the closet it's completely gone from my desk area so if i have to go back to that it'll be annoying to have to pull all that back out and rearrange it but i i, I hope that we can make this thing work well i'm sorry to hear that you have to work to make a podcast happen it's always a pain <laughs> you know, to invest in your opportunities uh, i i find it actually uh a little bit uh, special that you and I are both going through this transitional time to M1 Max using different computers at home than we were for the podcast up to this point. I'm using a Mac Mini now that was sitting in my garage for the better part of 15 months because I had the office computer at home and it was way more powerful. And now I had my choice between my wife's M1 Mac macbook air you know and then my mac mini and i'm i'm really wondering tj do i want to survive and lump along on this 2018 (laughs) mac mini or should i trade it in for an m1 or should i get the imac i mean it it comes in purple 2018 uh, mac mini uh answers the question i was going to ask which is i i I presume this is an intel mac mini it is uh, and not and not the power pc (laughs) mac mini (laughs) and it virtually doesn't have a graphics processor at all and and I, when I got it, I had in mind to get one of those external GPUs. And at first, Apple was, you know, f- just saying, this is exactly what we want to do. We know that this is going to work. We are very proudly going to offer you the Mac Mini. And we are confident that it'll run just as well as a MacBook Pro if you use an external GPU. Sure. That took me, I, I, I mean, I just, uh, can I say it, TJ? I bought the Kool-Aid. So you, you got a, a eGPU? No, I, no I, I bought the Kool-Aid in the sense of buying my Mac Mini was the investment and in the future I was going to get a GPU. But then I never got around to it because by the time the reviews came out about all the GPUs on the market, all of them were pretty sad. Like at I'm, best giving them three out of five stars. Hmm, I, well, see, I, w- I don't know about eGPUs in general. I love my eGPU. And as I mentioned, on, and, uh, as I talked about at length, I think on last week's episode, I'm annoyed that it doesn't work with the M1 uh, just because the performance is phenomenal. And so my work MacBook Pro, I use, uh, I use my eGPU with my work MacBook Pro. 
camera all the time, and the difference in performance is astounding. Like, it, it doesn't affect general compute, right? Uh, but it, it does affect anything that affects graphics, which makes the computer feel faster because you're not, you don't have weird delays and choppiness in the video because, um, you know, Intel's integrated GPU is just not great. Um, and, uh, the eGPU really just makes it feel like a almost different computer. It makes it feel like a desktop class computer and the fan runs less often and, and yada, yada. So I'm very happy with my eGPU and I would highly recommend it. If your Mac mini supports an eGPU and you want to breathe life into it, okay. um, I would That's recommend this very much. Did you say the model of your GPU? What was it? Was that? It is a Sonnet. Um, I can get you the exact one here in oh, a minute. Thanks. Yeah, That'd be super. Uh, I'm not sure if it's still available because I bought it a while ago. Um, I'm if I in. could find maybe refurbished or something like that, I would yeah. Mind. So Sonnet. There was supposed to be a Black Magic GPU that came, you know, highly recommended. You know, everybody loves Black Magic. They were making some of the best cameras over the last few years for indie filmmakers. If you were, you know, a Canon customer or, uh, you know, Panasonic or a tried and true Sony cameraman, I, I don't think that black magic could steal you away, but black magic still had huge fans and people were raving about their GPU. And so that was what I thought I was going to get. And then the the reviews came in and people were saying, you know what, sometimes it doesn't appear to be making a difference whatsoever with the 2018 Mac Mini. Other times it'll be working and then a moment later it stops and for no clear-cut reason that they could troubleshoot. Um, and then from what I heard from other sources, there were similar sorts of disappointments, so... Yeah, so you have a sonnet here? Yeah, and it does say it's unavailable, um... I'm trying to find boy it's and the ones that are available are more expensive ouch um than uh they were when I bought mine so you might be paying as much as you paid for the Mac mini uh so that may not be worth it um not quite as much but let me just look and see if I can find the equivalent here Oh, see, okay, so I've I've got one for $600 here but it's not the equivalent because it doesn't have as many display ports, which may not matter to you, but to me, I needed to connect three displays, and so I wanted to make sure I had three display ports. I don't need that. I just yeah. need, I could get by with two, and you no, know, I, I feel your pain, but I, I, I have all the real estate I, I can get with two. So another option, it looks like Sonnet makes just the chassis, the Sonnet eGPU breakaway box, uh, but that's $349, my word, and then you can put your own <laughs> graphics card in it. As long as it's an AMD graphics card, the Mac will just run it. Um, but then you're paying another couple hundred bucks for the graphics card. Um, See, it's starting to sound like a raw deal. Might as well just trade in the Mac Mini for an yeah, M1. And- y- you know what's what I find frustrating is that Apple had a golden opportunity here. Th- th- this is what Apple does, right? They they create these markets and nobody taps into them. Like they've cr- they've created this, you know, USB C slash Thunderbolt three in general. It has such huge potential, and then Apple's like, "Here you go, we made some potential for you." And nobody really takes advantage of it, and yeah. and, and specifically with the eGPUs. Apple kind of hosed itself because they did not lead the way here. They said, we have this capability. We hope you'll use it. And nobody really did good with it. Like I said, I'm, I'm happy with my Sonnet uh, eGPU um, breakaway box with the came with the GPU in it. 
very happy with it. I paid about $350 for it, which is less than what they're selling for now. Um, I'm very, very happy with it. But it, clearly, as I'm looking at the eGPU market here, there's just not anything really great, not anything that I really wanted. And I feel like Apple could have made that. And sure, it probably would be five or $600, but they would have led the way. And people are like, oh, that's what we can do. But but they're not doing it, and that's that I find frustrating. I find it super frustrating. It is a huge frustration. Like even when it comes to the say the speakers, as a video professional, I I find that the there's a good headphones market. But when you're trying to get solid monitoring speakers that are, um, I, I don't I don't want to. It's it's sort of like the problem with the XDR display. Because the XDR display is $6,000 if you get the stand, right? Well, when it comes to a good professional speakers, maybe you don't want these uh, lugs that require special cables for your monitoring setup for audio. And you would like something that's professional but reasonable to pair with your Mac setup. I don't know. Am I talking crazy talk? Something that's in a reasonable price range. I think it should and could be done. Well, I mean, you are talking crazy talk, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, (laughs) No, I'm, I'm kidding. Um, yeah, I, I just, I'm, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what else to say about this other than I'm Mm. frustrated with Apple that they didn't like, they created such clear potential and it's not going anywhere. Yeah. Well, in other better news, Apple did have what is it, what is it called when they have the they allow the the reviewers to release their reviews. Uh, the embargoes are lifted, and now everybody can talk about their iMacs and review yes. them. Their unboxings, and we got plenty of good reviews and a, a up close view of all the different computers and their different colors. Yes, I was just listening to um, Upgrade, the podcast of Jason Snell and Mike Hurley uh, earlier today. It was released uh, sometime during the night. It was in my podcast queue when I woke up. So I was listening to that, and in part of that episode today, they talked about Jason's uh, orange iMac. Um, it's unclear to me. He didn't. I don't remember if he mentioned whether that's a review unit or whether he bought the orange iMac, uh, but he loves it, and uh, so that's a, a good sign. Um, everything is, uh, you know, going, going gangbusters with the iMac. Yeah. It's hard to believe that it is such a polished redesign. It is so good. And one thing that just keeps, uh, getting echoed across all the reviews that I watched was that this was definitely heavy on the design because if it was like, if you were looking to see how does it do in performance for the processor and speeds, it's virtually the same as the M1 Mac Mini and the MacBook Air and the MacBook Pro with the M1. So there's nothing new to see here. There's nothing new to say here, except when we talk about this redesign. So if you love the redesign, then this is an incredible Mac. And TJ, I really like it, but I don't know that I'm sold on it for personal or professional use because when I look at this thing, it's just not quite powerful enough for a few of the projects I would do at home. And then it's clearly not appropriate for anything I would do at the office. Why do you think it's not powerful enough for the projects that you're working on? What, so, what are you basing that on? So what I'm picturing is uh, podcasting, great. Writing is great. Organization, productivity stuff. But there inevitably is coming a day when I'm going to be using more and more 4K footage and I'm going to be using more and more 4K streams in a single project. 
And I think it was I, Justine, who did a test with um, two or maybe four 4K streams in a single Final Cut Pro project. And it says that it can well support that. It handles it very well. But it is actually very easy as a documentary filmmaker or as someone who's making special promos and commercials to wind up with footage at the wazoo, you know, and way more than just two to four streams of 4K footage. So, like I um on a weekly basis, I do a talk show, and what I do is I I use three cameras and I cheat and I actually wind up. Uh, using them in multiple ways to create what appears to be multiple camera angles. And when I do that, I'll actually have more than four 4K streams. So the iMac wouldn't cut it. So what I'm really hoping to see is the larger iMac, et cetera, and so on. Well, you might be interested, Joe, in this rumor that uh, Mark Gurman has um, put out there. And, and usually when Mark Gurman puts something out there on Bloomberg, it's more than just a rumor. It's There's something some heft to it. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I find he usually has things generally right, although his naming and, uh, various reasons why things are the way they are typically aren't, but, but the, the details typically are, are accurate. So he is uh, saying here on the Bloomberg article, which we'll link in the show notes, that, um, Apple is preparing to release several new Mac laptops and desktops with faster processors. You don't say. Uh, so, um, <laughs> we, we know, of course, they're in the midst of this, uh, this transition. And, TJ, um, I don't know if you heard, but I also heard announced this week that Nintendo is also working on a new Mario game, if you can believe that. <laughs> well, shocker. Uh, so yes. Yeah, so, but, but, but what's in the, what's in the cards here is it this, in this article to me is more about some of the details. So redesigned MacBook pros are expected to debut as early as the summer. I would sort of expect maybe they'll be announced at WWDC. Um, so we'll, we'll see. Um, and then that's supposed to be followed by a, uh, revamped MacBook air, which is interesting since they just revamped it, but maybe, you know, so when did the, when did this MacBook air come out? Um, was that late was last that year, right? Late last, it was late last year. That's right. So, so per, potentially this could be in the fall, right? So mm-hmm. it, it'd be basically on a yearly cycle, which we haven't seen Max on a yearly cycle in a while. So that would actually be a good thing, I think, is to see things being updated on a yearly cycle with the Max, just like they are with iPads and iPhones. I think that would be a great sign of Apple's uh, increased interest in this platform. Another way I could see them cutting it is if they wanted to do a redesign of the MacBook Air to have color schemes like the iMac, then maybe this. This is why they would bring it in so quickly. Yeah. And, and, and Mark Gurman says they're also working, of, of course, and we know this, it's just a question of the details, right? Where they're working on a higher end, uh, of course, the Mac Pro, a higher end Mac mini desktop, and a larger iMac. That's all tracks with my thinking as well. It's very clear to me that they're starting at the low end, and they've, they've updated the low end of pretty much their whole product line, right? Except for the Mac Pro, which doesn't have a low end. So you've got uh, MacBook Air, Mac Mini, uh, the smallest, lowest end MacBook Pro. You've got the iMac. Uh, and so now what remains is to come back in and do another pass, uh, where you do the higher end of those products. So you've got a higher end Mac mini, you've got the MacBook pro at the top of the line, and then you've got the, the iMac at the top of the line. I wonder, Joe, if they'll call a, the, the new iMac, the iMac pro, because the, the <laughs> iMac pro is a slot that they could still f- fill and that they could call the bigger iMac, the iMac pro. There's a couple of 
there's positives and negatives to that from Apple's perspective. A positive right. would would be, oh well, this is clearly our pro machine, but then that might unnecessarily turn away customers looking for a larger screen iMac, but they're like, oh well, I don't need it to be pro, you know. So there's there's positives and negatives to that thinking, but I wonder if they'll do something like that. So. Specifically here, of course, um, is a uh, the, the chips that they're working on. Um, Apple plans to, uh, of course, um, put new, newer, better chips in uh, the, Mac, the higher end MacBook Pros. This is I, as I would expect, and, and this rumor is in line with what I was expecting, which is basically an increased core count. So they'll um, they'll have much higher, you know, a, a much higher core count uh, in the MacBook Pro. And then if you read on further down this article, it talks about an extremely high core count for the uh, Mac Pro. This all makes Makes sense to me, and it's kind of the way that Apple is going is not by increasing speeds, uh, but by increasing cores. So that if you you know, so your your applications have to be. Uh, parallelized in order to, um, you know, they can't be single-threaded. They have to be multi-threaded in order to take advantage of the processor power. But that all makes sense, and and especially if you have. Even if you have applications that are single-threaded, you can have many of them because they can all run on separate cores. I'll, this whole thing makes a lot of sense to me. And, yeah. of course, um, the M1 is limited to 16 gigabytes of RAM. I'm doing just fine with 16 gigs of RAM, but I do think um, I was uh, – as usual, I'm, I am I am a heavy Docker user in my day-to-day uh, work and development of software. And um, Docker is a virtualization technology, and so it it's running – a virtual computer in the background and you have to assign it RAM. That could all be done automatically, but you can also tweak the settings. And I, of course, try to tweak the settings on every computer I use in order to get the best performance out of it. And um, I'm trying to remember what I set the RAM available to Docker to. Uh, I'm opening up the preferences to see if I can remember. But essentially, I feel like if I could assign this a lot more RAM... um, then I would have a much uh, faster experience with Docker so, um, yeah, Docker's not opening at the moment. That's, that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wait, wait, here it is. Okay. So settings, uh, resources. Um, yeah. So I basically set the memory for Docker to eight gigabytes. Any more than that, I felt like I was starting to see slowdowns on the other side of the curve. Right. And as I was playing with it and under that, I was seeing underperformance. And so eight, eight gigabytes, is, that's half of the RAM available in the machine. That was about right. But if I, and, and, and what I did with my Hackintosh when I was using my Hackintosh full time was I set Docker to use 16 gigs of RAM, which is half of, so usually half for Docker seems to be about right, but on all the machines I've used it on. But basically I assigned 16 gigs of RAM of the 32 available on my Hackintosh and that Docker just screams that the performance is just, uh, screams in a good way. It's just the performance is amazing. Um, so I'm definitely looking, I still think RAM, I know Apple wants us not to think too much about RAM and things like that, but I still think that's relevant any event, I'm rambling, uh, up to 64 gigabytes of memory versus the 16 Max on the M1. Yeah, so anything to do with these M1 Max is good news. And we knew that they were going to do this. Apple said this last year when they described the the roadmap for the M1s. So I kind of feel like this is non-news, although it is interesting that we have a slightly more definitive picture of a forecast of the releases, the order that they're going to go in, maybe get that 14-inch and a new 16 16-inch MacBook Pros that have been rumored for uh, a year now. And, uh, you know, people didn't necessarily think it would take this long. 
Well, no, and I think this lineup makes a lot of sense. The one thing that mm-hmm. I'm I'm balking at, a l- not balking at, but just that I find that doesn't make as much sense, and I don't know why Apple would have done it this way, is they've already updated a MacBook Pro, the 13-inch MacBook Pro, to the M1. What is that computer? Because you, you have the MacBook Air, and then you essentially have the same size computer with a fan. Um, I, I don't understand the thinking there. It, the lineup would be a lot clearer to me if you had the MacBook slash MacBook Air. I think they should rename the MacBook Air to MacBook, but we'll see if they do. And so you've got the MacBook, which is a 13-inch computer, and then you have the MacBook Pro. That that line would make more sense to me if you eliminated the 13-inch MacBook Pro. But, but that aside, currently what we have is basically the same computer in various configurations with various chassis. Um, but essentially the same computer in the iPad, the Mac, MacBook Air, uh, the low-end MacBook Pro, the Mac – you know, it's just a, it's a, it's a matter of the wrapper and a couple of configuration options. And it makes a lot of sense. They, they, yeah, they're selling all the cheap, most affordable ones, and they're keeping the older design on the MacBook Air to date. But it feels like with this absolutely astonishing redesign of the iMac, that they are probably going to take inspiration from that for the new MacBook MacBook Air. Oh, I, I, I would think so. I, um, I'm really it looking is, forward to seeing it. And, and as happy as I am with this MacBook Air, in most ways, I really like this computer. It is an old design, and so um, you know my my wife is not going to care if the design changes, but I will, and that's why she will probably get my current MacBook Air later this year or early next year, and I will get the new hotness, which is the the redesigned either MacBook Air or MacBook Pro. Although I really want something fanless, and I really like that I don't have a Touch Bar on this, so we'll see how that all goes, but. Uh, it'd be interesting to see what I, I really do think that the the design language that Apple is um, inspired by right now is that um, the iPhone 12, the iPad Pro. Uh, we saw that, of course, that basically the iMac is that design language expanded to the iMac size. I would I would love to see how they would do that with a computer. You know, we've had something like that in computers before with the with the Titanium PowerBook. Um, it's not exactly one to one, but it, you know, you had a very flat surfaced computer. Oh, yeah. uh, I I love yeah. I love that design uh, in in terms of its the way it looked and, and felt. Now, obviously, the titanium didn't really hold up very well, but um, in terms of uh, it, well, it held up well in some ways, but the discoloration and the peeling, chipping paint and stuff like that. But but right. I, I I like the look and feel of it. So if they want to go back to something like that, I think that would be great. Exciting times. It's going to be a good year for Apple products, just like last year was. Yes. And I love the color lineup. Can I just say again that like every time I look at any of those iMac colors that they are so uh, refreshing, they're just eye candy. And even the colors that are not my favorite, but to see them in any environment, it just brings life back to a colorless desk. Like as As I'm sitting here in front of my desk now, I have black drawers, black cords, a black mic boom, black headphones, black stands, black screen, <laughs> black keyboard, black mouse, uh, black phone, and splashes of color are very welcome here. Yeah, and and you know, I I have to say I've been a dark or black uh, product person and I get silver when those aren't available uh for most of my life, but here I am with this gold MacBook Air and I love it. I love the color. I love that it's different. Um, I, I think that if I, uh, had the option of getting it in one of the colors of the iMac, um, say the blue, um, I think I would go for the blue or maybe the green, the, the dark green. Um, I would really love that in my next laptop. Nice. That's, yeah, that's a good one. Honestly, I love so many of the colors, the purple, the blue, the red and the green, uh, the orange, man, I, I'm not joking here. I, I really think all of them are pretty awesome. 
Yeah, my favorites are definitely green, and I I think the green is my favorite. I'm just looking at the colors of the iMac here. I'm, I'm on the Apple configurator page. I would go with blue as my second favorite and probably red after that. I really like the red. I really like it. Um, other, after that, orange is fine. Yellow is fine. Purple, that's your thing. That's not my thing. <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I just, I hope that they bring some more of that color and I hope they bring some color to the pro line. Traditionally, the pro line has been a very muted, like even with the iPhone pro line, it's just muted colors as opposed to the, the more fun colors of the not pro line of iPhone. Well then moving on in the outline, you wanted to talk a little bit about simple and how it's gone for good. Do you know what simple is or was? Yeah, Simple, you Simple. introduced uh, us to it and your great pains because you were trying to find a good alternative. <sighs> yes. I, have I talked so about it on the show? I honestly this. don't remember if I've talked about it on the show. Yeah, well, um, last you left us, uh, you had an alternative, but then it was uh, uh, you were not confident that you would be able to use it for all of the features you would miss in the Simple service. Yeah. So Simple, I'll just bring everybody up to speed. Um, Simple is an online bank, or was, I'm sorry, was an online bank. It, it was the, the bank that I did business with for many years uh, because despite the fact that it's a little annoying that sometimes you don't have a local branch and so you got to do some weird things to get money if you need cash right away. For instance, I saved a bunch of money. I used Simple's goals to save this money for a down payment on my house. And then all of a sudden I needed to get that money out. Um, that was, um, <laughs> I don't know if I should say the, the amount of the down payment, but it was, uh, it was a large sum of money, um, uh, over, over $15,000. Let's put it that way. It was significantly <laughs> more than that. And I had saved that over, uh, several years in, in simple and in, in their goals. And so then I needed to get hold of it. And that was, that was a trip. <laughs> <laughs> because normally for most of your stuff, your transactions are all going through your debit card or whatever, or you're writing a check and, and it's all fine. And those are smaller sums of money and that's all great. But then when you need to get a hold of larger sums of money, it becomes a question. And so, um, we were able to do it through a mixture of the immediate need for the, uh, the hold money I was able to get with a money order, which I used my debit card for. And then I was able to move money around to, uh, places where, oh, and there's also a, a limit on the amount of that you could write checks with simple. And so I was able to move money out into a, a brick and mortar that I still had. I was able to do an ACH transfer and then write a check. And that all went through. That was all great. So anyway, those were um, downsides of, of doing online-only banking. And other than that, Simple was great. What I loved about Simple was um, the goals. Uh, I used goals, as, as I just mentioned, I used it to save several thousand thousand dollars um for down payments i've used it to save for buying cars i've used it to save for all sorts of things and what's what simple would do is um you would say here is the amount that i want this goal to reach here's what i need it by and it would calculate how much money per day and then as long as you kept enough money in your what simple called safe to spend um it's all one account right it's just roped off sections and so as long as you kept enough money in your safe to spend area it would transfer that money every day into the goal, uh, and then you eventually fund your goal. It's a fantastic way to save money, and it's it's it keeps you really disciplined and all that stuff. And Simple had a great user interface. I I, I just don't, you know, there's just still is not anything like it. Um, unfortunately, BBVA was acquired by PNC. Uh, this all bank, like so many banks are being acquired these days. Like 
I, um, my business bank, just as an aside, I was banking with a business bank. They were acquired by another bank, and I did not like this new bank at all, so I went to a, a different bank, Capital Bank, and then a month later, they were acquired by First Tennessee something or other, and I hated that bank too. And so it's just all these acquisitions <laughs> and mergers all the time. It's awful. It's awful, awful. Um, and so uh, BBVA, which was the bank behind Simple, was acquired by PNC. PNC said, we don't want anything to do with Simple. We're shutting it down. And I had hoped that what would happen with Simple was that the rest of the industry would see, oh, this is how you do online banking right. No, that's not what they did. What they did is they said, we have money. We're going to put some money on the table to make that go away. And that's exactly what they did. Mm-hmm. Um, so there are some options. Uh, I have switched to One Finance. And they have a great like presence on Twitter. I love their CEO. I love some of the stuff that One Finance is doing. But over the last several months, I've had just various problems. And customer support has been completely unhelpful. Um, just various things. Um, they recently introduced check cashing, finally. What bank doesn't cash checks? I am not successfully able to cash a check. Um, I uh, submitted the check and it says your signature is not valid. I'm like, what? It's my signature. What do you mean it's not valid? I wrote the signature on here. So I, I wrote in the customer support. I'm like, what, what, what does this mean? What do I do? And they said, well, unfortunately, for security reasons, we can't give you any more details. I'm like, okay, so your app told me to write for mobile deposit only one finance on the back of the check. I did that. Now you won't cash it. Now the check is useless to me. I can't, I have to go get it reissued by whoever gave it to me, if that's even possible, because now it says only for mobile deposit with one finance. I can't deposit anywhere. You won't tell me how to get it deposited. So that was, that was one thing. There's been a couple others. Um, I've had trouble connecting my brick and mortar bank. They say, well, you need to provide proof and then they reject the proof. So I'm I'm moving away from One Finance, and I'm unfortunately cannot can no longer recommend them. Even though I kind of like their pocket system, which is similar to Goals, so I'm I'm not happy. And what I'm what I'm doing, and I'm, it's still it's 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 not as good as Simple, but because now. Um, it just there's nothing as good as simple and i'm not willing to put up with the pain anymore of not having a local bank that i can go to and get physical money out of and have stuff notarized and just have a bank and have people that i can go talk to about my banking needs and and when they won't deposit my check i can look them in the eye and say why not <laughs> um i have opened an account with a local credit union that is unlikely to be acquired because i'm tired of my banks getting acquired um, it is a very hyper local credit union. I've I've done a lot of research. They seem to be really great. Um, their online banking is garbage, hot garbage. So um, years ago, my wife used an app called iBank. Uh, IGG Software has since uh, renamed it and revamped it and rewrote it, and it is now called Banktivity. Banktivity has goals and budgets and things and i've been messing around with it and i've been having a little bit of trouble connecting it to my credit union but i can still manually import the transactions and it's only just a couple clicks so that's that's fine um it's all working and um i think i've after playing with it for a couple of days i think i can replicate what i was doing with goals in um simple uh, I believe I can do that with Banktivity. So now I have an app that connects to my bank, and I have to deal with the bank's cruddy online interface. Or I'm sorry, a credit union. It's not technically a bank, but serves the same purpose. Uh, that's that's where I'm at with finances. It really is pretty sucky. Ouch. Oh, I feel your pain, man. I really love my bank, but it doesn't have all the features I want either, so I just grin and bear it. You know, there are some things that I, I capitalize on. I really want to be just the way I want them to be, to be 
the most efficient, to be the most ease of use, the most automated, to be the most pleasant to use off of my phone or off mm-hmm. of my tablet, whatever. And banking it rates high in the t- maybe it's it's in the tight top 20, maybe even the top 10, but it's not quite as close to the top as I think it is for you. But I, I, I basically started using the, the phone app for my bank and talking to them on the phone with excellent customer service when I was turning 21 years old. So that was 15 years ago. And that was light years ahead of everything people have nowadays. So I got, I got pretty content and just stopped looking for innovations. But I, I get exactly why you want this and why it's frustrating not to have it. Apparently, there's not enough people like you to care enough about the product to make it uh, you know, a reality and make it successful. Well, I think maybe one of the problems is, but and, and Simple had a large customer base, so I know there are people out there like me, but you might be right in terms of the general population because I think most general people... General population, yeah. I think most people, they they put money on their credit cards. They're up to their ears in, in credit card and consumer debt, and I don't live like that. I, I, I lived like that briefly. I had, I had some accidents, and I had some credit card debt. We got that paid off about uh, six or seven years ago. And I never want to do it again, and I want to live within my means. I want to budget, and I want to use goals, and I want to meet goals. And I think Banktivity is going to do that for me. Basically, I'm going to have all my money in my accounts. Banktivity is going to be able to see that money, and then I'll be able to use Banktivity to rope it off just like Simple did with goals. It's the same thing. It's just software doing it externally instead of it happening on the bank side, um, which is which is fine. Um, so... I have a support request into them to see why the connection, it says it can connect to my credit union. It sees it. It's, it's, in, it's in the list of supported banks, but then when it tries to do it, I just eventually get a, it says it's receiving an error from the credit union's uh, thing. So we'll, we'll see how that all goes. But um, yeah, I, I do like the Banktivity app. Um, their IGG software, IGG software is a good Mac software development uh, company. And uh, so we'll see. I mean, I like the app and uh yeah, I, I have some suggestions on how they might improve their goals interface, but yeah, it's good. Well, well, then moving on, um, what I can say is that I wanted to talk about my uh, office transition. So, TJ, you work from home, and I, I really, really envy you. I've been working from home <laughs> since late 2015. Ah, oh, those are glorious years. I wish I had every one of them. <laughs> Yeah, I've only been able to work from home for 15 months and just tasting it, enjoying it. I miss it so much. But probably the uh, the biggest difference for me is having a complete control over my my home office space, what I do with my desk and all my tools. I can choose them 100% of the time. Yep. And, and, you know, I really love a company that will allow their professionals to pick and choose all of their hardware, their desk, their chair, everything down to the mouse pad. And um, you know, my company will take care of a lot of those things, but they, they do want everybody to have a little bit of homogenization where everybody gets the same desk and mm. returning to my desk. I actually found it to be lower than where I want my wrists to rest and getting back into my office desk chair yesterday, I actually thought, Oh my word, how did I ever survive in this chair? It was the same one I used for maybe two years and I knew it was bad, DJ, but I left the office and went home and I thought, how bad is the chair? And while I was changing, I, I turned my neck and I heard and for no apparent reason other than just how bad my posture was forced to be in the chair. <laughs> um, 
However, there are some interesting things that we can do to be strategic and make the best of the situation. What do they call it? Uh, leverage the uh, working at the office situation. So uh, first thing I did today was I went looking around the office to find a better desk chair. And anybody can do that if they uh, they have other personnel that have come and gone in the past year. Maybe you can find a better desk chair. And I found one. And it was actually way better than what I previously had. It was a completely different kind of chair. And I think it's going to suit me well. Now, we're still using a Thunder Bay by the OWC, uh, which is great for all of my data. And alongside of my iMac 27-inch with all of the bells and whistles from 2020, uh, 2020 yes, uh, the latest version of the iMac in the 27-inch model. And it's really powerful. It's doing excellent. I have a Keychron K1 keyboard with the numeric pad on the side because I have all these custom keyboard shortcuts. That's working great. I'm able to use um, the lighting just the way I want to in the room. I don't have any windows, and that is something that I far prefer versus what I had at home where you know every w- a room in the house virtually has a window, and that forces you to use the light mode on your Mac computer screen. And TJ, you tell me it's better. Uh, based on my eyes, I would say that it's a bit subjective, but I'm going to say dark mode always wins. And I, nope. I, you know, part of it is that at home with bright window conditions, I have to use light mode. But then as the light is always going up and down outside the window, the brightness of my screen is something I'm always raising and lowering. And I just prefer things to feel natural. That's why I like things like, what is it called? The um, the color tint that Apple will automatically do where... The, the, True Tone. The, True Tone, thank you. True Tone is a godsend. And I, I cannot do it with something like my Mac Mini at home with an external display that is not a Mac display. Now, you're using the LG 4K display? Is that uh, right? when I, so it's my floating display. My regular displays are Dell's, but um, the, on my desk. But the the display that I use around the house is a LG. Yes. So does it support True Tone? Does that come with? Yes. Well, True Tone. Um, true, no, it's not. Okay, I see what you mean. So True Tone is not supported by the display. But since I have a laptop connected to it, True Tone is supported by the laptop. The laptop is sensing the light and it's changing the light of both of the tint of both displays to match. Interesting. The light of the room. So it's able to do it by way of the laptop. Yes. Okay, because, uh, yeah, you don't have that advantage with using Mac Minis. Mm. Right. I, I presume the Mac Mini does not have a light sensor in it uh, to detect the, the tint and the, the, the type of light. It doesn't have those sensors in it. No. Man, just even thinking about that, uh, it, while we were discussing things, I actually did go to Apple.com and looked at what I could get as a trade-in on my Mac Mini. And it's uh, it's uh, good enough. I'd be happy with that trade-in. So then I was looking at, well, what if I got the M1 Mac Mini? And then now just thinking about the fact that I would be lacking True Tone is enough to make me reconsider whether or not I want to get the iMac or something. Uh, maybe one of those MacBook Airs. I never, I never heard how they perform. TJ, can you tell me about the MacBook Air? Oh, that's right. My wife has one. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was just, I was just reading a uh, technical document by Apple, and um, True Tone is basically only available in the laptops um, because that's what has the sensors. Um, so, an Apple. Doesn't. So, if you take oh, away the laptop, then you wouldn't have it on your 
your LG display. Huh. Correct. Um, and I've, I've actually were occasionally just trying out, I, I don't prefer clamshell mode, but like if I do clamshell mode, then true tone goes away because the sensor is, uh, underneath the lid. Um, yeah. And I'm, uh, and also apparently there is built in ambient light to sensors on Apple pro display XDR. Um, if you want to pay six thousand dollars or five thousand <laughs> no. or whatever that is for that display, you can you can do that. Um, otherwise, okay. yeah, you have to have a laptop. All right. Well, so at the end of the day, what I'm saying is is that the Intel based Mac at the office is glorious. I'm just not willing to spend that much money for the kind of video projects I want to do from home. <laughs> what I'm thinking about TJ is I want to help my daughter start doing a YouTube channel responsibly. And work alongside of her and give her some advice and coach her along the way. I know how to be a filmmaker. I've been doing it now for 20 years. So I can show my daughter and she really wants to do this. It's, it wasn't my idea. So I figure if she's going to make videos, then I can help her out if she's willing and going to welcome my advice. And she has. So we started watching a, quote, master YouTube course by Matt Diavella that is currently available, fairly brand new. And the ability to join the course may be closed for now, but he's he's had some excellent marketing and he's got many videos on YouTube talking about it and his newsletter. So if you hadn't already heard about it, you probably weren't interested. But it's excellent. Um, and my daughter and I started watching it together. And what I'm trying to do is weigh how much power do I want in a home workstation and what can I do, you know, get by without? Because, you know, my most powerful stuff is at the office. Not well, easy. I've, I've been using this MacBook Air as my primary workstation and it hasn't let me down so far. Um, I'll, I'll tell you what, too. I just uh, got back from a, a few days of PTO, uh, just, uh, you know, doing some traveling with the family. And I uh, took my um, MacBook Air, of course, and my work laptop stayed at home and... Uh, so I've been using my MacBook air and I got home and I went today. It was my first day back at work and I fired up the laptop and boy, that thing is as hot as the sun. It feels like it's burning my fingers off. And, um, you know, it, uh, I, I would say I would launch it into the sun, except I'm pretty sure it would damage, <laughs> it would damage the sun as hot as it is. So, um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I'm very happy with this MacBook air. I can recommend it. It's, it's nice. And you know, it, it gets a little warm, um, occasionally, but like, not like, boil you know not like make eggs fry eggs on it like my my macbook pro yeah well i'm i i, I definitely will take your thoughts into consideration i love my <laughs> wife's macbook air i'm just not convinced how much i want to actually do something like final cut pro work off of the display yeah that, that i can't size. speak to final cut pro although mm. i've heard that it does great on the m1 uh, but i yeah. can't really speak to it yeah. because i don't use final cut pro these days um used to uh back before i, d- I did my, basically final cut pro 10 was coming out as i was exiting the industry but um and i've done some work in final cut pro 10 but Man, I was, I'm a classic Final Cut user, Joe. Yeah. Final Cut 7, 6 days, yeah. Those were good yeah. times. Well, I, started, I started in Final Cut 4, so. I started in Final Cut 3. Woo. Nice. Were you on yeah. Mac OS 9? No, I think that was Final Cut 2. It was Mac OS 9. Yeah. So um, other than that, I'm getting some new studio lights. I'm thinking about upgrading my cameras in the near future. Or at least getting a better camera for my daughter's YouTube channel. And I'll keep you posted about my experience with new camera gear if I get into so that. So you don't, you don't think that Apple's uh, 720p camera in their laptops is good enough? <laughs> yeah. Actually, 
<laughs> you know, even with the iMac upgrade, I, I think we can do better. Oh, yeah, 1080. 1080. That'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> My, our friend Rob, who does the Equinox podcast with me, yes, he got a yes, 4K. Yes, I feel like I know him. He doesn't even know who I am, but I feel like I know him because yeah. I listen to the podcast. Yeah, well, he, it's he's funny got how podcasts a 4K. Work you know, external smart camera. And even that he's saying, I don't know if this is good enough for what I wanted to do. And yeah, so I, I don't understand why Apple is averse to giving us a, a really powerful smart camera, especially in our day and age and knowing that Apple computers are, are promoted, you know, they market them for being excellent for creative professionals. Well, what, what Apple gives on the one hand, they take away with the other. So, right. <laughs> So, uh, new lights, new chairs, new keyboards, new monitors, new everything, TJ. It's going to be yeah. very expensive. <laughs> or just get a MacBook Air. Or just get a MacBook Air. <laughs> and run for like a pro on it. The, the downside of getting a MacBook Air, though, right now is, as we discussed, uh, Apple's going to be releasing more computers. And that, I mean, that's always true, but we're in the middle of a transition, and we believe they're going to be updating, like, you know, years old designs, not just the internals. So, yeah. So, can I limp along with what I've got for? I can you? I don't know. I mean, even, even though they would introduce some new computers in the near future. We don't know that those are going to be the right ones. Like I'm not convinced what I want would be a 14 or 16 inch MacBook pro. I'd be willing to wager Joe that the 2018 Mac mini is far more powerful than the, than the uh, power Mac G fives that I was editing on back in the day at the office that this is true of, uh, of, the, of the, of the, of the film company I was working at. I remember thinking those, those power Mac G fives were so powerful. And then, and then, Joe, when the Intel Macs came out, and we got a super powerful Mac Pro uh, Intel cheese grater, that thing was the bomb, man. <laughs> and I guarantee you that 2018 Mac Mini is more powerful than it is because this was like 2008, 2009, something like that. This this Mac Pro, uh, we were super excited to get it, and it is a dinosaur now. It is. I'm, I doubt if it would even run. I, I know it wouldn't run any of the latest Mac OSs. Well, I didn't realize that your Mac Pro was about the same age as mine. The the one I used at the office was at the 2009 model until last summer. Well, I mean, I haven't. I mean, this was years ago, and this was the longs to the film company I was working for. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's that was my experience with the Intel Max. Is the well, and then I got um, somewhere in there. I got a uh, a MacBook Pro, um, one of the early Intel Core Two Duos. What really blew me away was that the the model I had was like you're saying it, it was a 2009 model, and they just upgraded the parts, you know, replaced them out, got better GPU, got more hard drive space in, eventually SSD, and that thing was a beast. It looked old, it was very old, but you could do whatever you wanted for your external displays and your peripherals, and and I know that that's the dream with a Mac Pro. So spend a fortune on it now, but it'll last you 12 years. Well, and that's, this is the thing that I, I, you know, I, I get a little frustrated with Apple, but they used to make a computer that you could make last a long time by upgrading parts piecemeal. Like John Syracuse, famously, if you, right. if you're in that podcast world, he only recently replaced his 2008, I think it was Mac Pro. And, and, but it wasn't the same Mac Pro that he bought over the years. He upgraded the RAM and he upgraded the, the graphics card and he upgraded the hard drives to SSDs. And, you know, basically pretty cost effective and very powerful. Yeah. Over over the years, it became a new computer uh, that that had the same enclosure and you know the same uh, uh, 
what do we call them in Mac land? Most people call them motherboards, uh, logic boards. So it yes. had the same logic board. So eventually the logic board either would need to be replaced, which Apple doesn't really do, or, or uh, with a with a newer model, or you know you, you replace the whole computer, and that's what John decided to do. But like you know, event because eventually your uh, your CPUs, if you want to upgrade CPUs, eventually they won't fit in the sockets anymore. But but it's but essentially you have a computer that you can make last a long time, and this is you know I understand with laptops. Um, why Apple goes the way they go. And I, I essentially agree with it because I'm buying Mac laptops. But when it comes to desktops, I'm, I'm frustrated with Apple's design decisions there in terms of not letting you upgrade parts. And they're going even more away from this with the M1 now and, and then the future of uh, Apple Silicon. Now, it remains to be seen, you know, if it's a net positive. I, I think it probably is. But I am a little frustrated that Apple's not designing these things to be upgradable piecemeal. Yeah. Well, the Mac Mini is also hampered by one of the things I did like about my 2018 model was that I could replace the RAM. So I bought RAM, TJ, and then I got the RAM at home, 32 gigabytes of it, and thought to myself, you know, what am I doing? (laughs) This is the time to trade in this computer because of its obsolescence. It's going Mm. to be out the door before the end of the year. I would not call a 2018 Mac Mini obsolete. And if I had it and RAM would make it run well, I would put RAM in it and run it. Um, The only reason I'm not still running my Hackintosh is because I needed a laptop and I feel like the laptop is now powerful enough to be my primary computer. Otherwise, I would continue running my 2017 Hackintosh. It's a great computer, and I I feel that if your 2018 Mac Mini is working for you and you can put RAM in it, I would do it. Well, see, and that's the thing is that my my needs have changed a little bit. So in 2018, my daughter was not serious about using uh, you know a, a family Mac for making YouTube video content in the foreseeable mm. future. And and at the same time, in 2018, I thought, you know, if I'm doing any work at home, it'll probably just be audio production related to podcasting. Maybe somebody offers me a, a, a an audio book to, to narrate. And that could still happen. But I'm actually starting to get the itch to do some YouTube video content of my own. I don't know how often, maybe one video a month. But that's where just putting in the RAM into this Mac Mini is not going to cut it because it doesn't I'm, have see, a GPU. I, 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 see, I don't, I don't think I agree with that. You have a perfectly fine computer that will get you started. I would go with it. And, and it will become apparent when you need a new computer. Like, uh, yeah, I, that's my advice to you is to use this computer. You've got it. And, and why spend the money when you've got one that will work? Uh, yeah, I, I, I would agree. It would work like right now. Like I'm, I, we actually ran Age of Empires in this thing before. You know, we've watched some streaming video content. We're recording a podcast. We've edited a podcast on it. But I just know on day one, TJ, when I get a new key, uh video camera on day one it's going to be giving me 60 frames per second 4k footage and then it's going to just freeze up it's going to crash i I, see but no no egpu that is mostly a function or at least in my in my experience and i haven't done a lot with 4k i've done a little uh but 4k was again that was after my time in the video industry but my experience is that most of your frame rate dropping has to do with IO and you have Thunderbolt on that thing. So as long as you have a fast SSD on Thunderbolt or you're doing it on the internal SSD, you'll probably be fine. 
you might have to render a little more often than uh you know it, because it and, and where you will with a, without a good gpu and without a good faster processor where you will run into slowdowns is when it's not rendered and rendering as you i'm i'm, I'm sure you know but I'm, I'm telling the audience um rendering is taking multiple video sources that are composited together in various ways and rendering it into one file that the editor can play and then export from um and it does, you know, basically you do Command R, at least in the old days. And, and Final Cut 10, I think, does this automatically. But in, in the old days, you selected, uh, you selected your your points, or you did the whole timeline, and you did Command R, and it would render it out anything that was showed a, a, a yellow or a red line that it couldn't play in real time, and it would render it to a file. So you'll probably have to, re- you'll have to let things render more often um, because yes. compositing things together is not going to be as nice. But right. but again, <laughs> this is the way we used to do things, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've edited whole films. I've edited, edited whole documentaries where basically because of the way our computers were, you could you could composite a couple of things together, but by the time you added a third layer, you had to render that puppy because it wasn't going to play. We were working with Firewire 400 at the time. Yeah. It's hard. It, it really is. Like I want to believe you, and I thought on paper that that would work, but I've already watched and read the reviews about the Mac Mini 2018. Well, and what's the, what's, what's the, the harm in trying, though? It well, sounds like you haven't even tried it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm saying that uh, it, it, I have not tried it, but I'm looking at all the people that I know and trust. They've already done the tests. Hmm. They've already found that the eGPUs are inconsistently working when they do speed tests. They see it when it runs, and they see it when it cuts off. And then if you take the eGPU out of the equation, then we're talking about um, uh, like uh, just like a killer amount of sluggishness trying to create a video file proxy or uh, getting a frame rate that is remotely acceptable for playback for previewing your video content. So without the eGPU, it's unbearable. With the GPU, it's going to be intermittent and it's going to stop working for no clear-cut definitive reason yeah i i cannot speak to how the egpu will work with final cut or whatever video uh non-linear editor you choose to use but in my experience with my gp with my egpu i have not had intermittent usage it it but again i'm just using it for external displays but i have not had anything intermittent i hadn't have connection issues it just works well for what it's worth i i I am I am using my Mac Mini with a 4K monitor right now. Um, it actually does really great. It's pretty legit, and, yeah. and I really like this display. It's an it's a Hewlett Packard display. It's not you know one of the highest end you know multi thousand dollar color monitoring displays, but for doing the everyday stuff, it's pretty close. So the next time you are up my way, bring mm-hmm. your Mac Mini, and we'll connect it to my eGPU, and we'll run some tests. Oh, that would be fabulous. I would <laughs> like that a lot. Yeah. Okay. And my eGPU is already connected to some displays, so it'll we can just light up my three 4K displays with it and see how it does. Interesting. Okay, I can see that working. I'll take you up on that offer. Great. All right, well, is that a show? I think that's a show, Joe. If people want to find out more about the things that we talked about, they want the links, they want to, uh, you know, anytime we reference something and said you'll find the links in the show notes, well, you can go to nightowl.fm slash hi-fi slash 30 because this is our 30th episode and you will find the links on that page. And additionally, if you have a any good, decent podcast app that pulls in the podcast, they will also pull in the show notes because we keep those show notes in the feed as well. And so you can go to your phone and you can click on all those links and it'll be great. So until our next episode um i think that's our show and we'll talk to you then catch you later